Here's the thing, folks. While I enjoyed episodes one and two of Hawkeye, I was only mildly impressed. Episode three, however, takes the show to a whole new level. Now, when people say that, they typically mean that the show moved a level above, that it was way better now than it was before. But, and again, here's the thing, a whole new level could be a level below, meaning that the show dropped into a level of crap that it can't get out of. The question that you have to ask yourself, folks, is what do I mean? What do I mean? What is this guy right here? What does your host of The Streaming Fool mean when I say a whole new level? Am I loving the show or am I hating it? How about we talk about that very thing today on The Streaming Fool? Hello and welcome to The Streaming Fool, the podcast with thoughts and opinions that may not reflect the thoughts and opinions of the network of which this podcast is not a part of, so really it doesn't matter. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and frankly, I've had enough of lengthy podcast episode lead-ins, so I'm just going to forgo any type of witty one-man banter here at this point and dive right into the episode. Today, I'm talking about Hawkeye episode number three. This episode is entitled Echoes. It was published on Disney Plus on Wednesday, December the 1st, and Wikipedia has this to say about it. Lopez interrogates Barton and Bishop about Ronan, who killed her father in the past. Barton manages to free himself and fend off the tracksuit mafia, though Lopez breaks his hearing aid in the process. After freeing Bishop, the pair escape the tracksuit mafia and get Barton's hearing aid fixed. Intending to learn more about the tracksuit mafia, as well as Duquesne, Bishop convinces Barton to infiltrate Eleanor's penthouse and use her company account to look up Bishop Security's criminal database. However, Bishop is locked out of the system when attempting to bypass security, while Barton encounters Duquesne, who threatens him with Ronan's sword. Okay, so this reminds me of one of the more important things I left out of last episode's discussion. I found out after I had finished recording and I was listening back to yesterday's episode and getting it all ready that there were a number of things that I just kind of left out of the episode. I had started to talk about certain things and then I got off track and forgot to get back to them. One of those was Clint's hearing loss and the hearing aid that he wears. Now, if I remember correctly, in the comic books... He did wear, back in the day, he wore a a hearing aid, or at least he had a hearing problem for a while, which started back in the 80s. Uh, Mark Gruenwald did a four-issue limited series uh, uh, called Hawkeye. He wrote and drew it, and this introduced uh, Hawkeye's uh, soon-to-be wife, uh, Mockingbird, And they go up against some folks who juggle and throw things and whatnot. And I believe that Hawkeye was caught. It was either in an explosion or some kind of sonic weapon, which messed his hearing up. And so he wore he wore a hearing aid. I don't remember them talking about it a lot back then, but I I feel like I remember that that happened. Well, in the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye, he actually gets stabbed in the ears uh, by a villain by the name of the clown. And then he, he goes, um, 
deaf again. He has hearing loss again, and he has to wear a hearing aid. And we also learn in the Matt Fraction run, when Clint was a little boy, he had abusive parents, or at least an abusive father, and he got beat enough at one point that he suffered hearing loss as a child as well. So the whole hearing loss thing does have its roots in the comic book at various points. And in the show, we learn that the reason why he has this hearing loss is is just because he's just a regular dude who has gone through a lot of these adventures. They show these different flashbacks of like from the Avengers movies and stuff blowing up around him and and junk like that. Now, the one thing I do want to point out is whenever anybody talks about Hawkeye in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as part of the Avengers, and I've been hearing a lot of it leading up to this show They keep talking about how, well, you know, Hawkeye's just this regular guy. He's a guy that doesn't have any powers and he has to hold his own against a team uh, with a god and a super soldier and a a tech billionaire. And it's like, well, isn't Black Widow in the same position? They never really mention her in those discussions. It's like, yeah, that is true with Hawkeye, but it's also true with Black Widow. And I, I don't understand why that her name never pops up in those conversations. Granted, I'm hearing a lot of this as we're leading up to the Hawkeye show. So it's it's generally discussions about Hawkeye. But it's like they say it as if he's the only one on the team. You know, he's you got a big green monster on the team. You got a you got a freaking God and a super soldier and a guy with a billion a billion dollars worth of armor and all this crazy tech. And it's like, yeah, but. There's also Black Widow. Anyway, I don't know why I, t- I, I mentioned that. It just drove me crazy. The other thing that I wanted to talk about in the last episode that I totally forgot about, and I just want to talk about it real quick before we get into the notes that I wrote for this episode three, was the Rogers musical. Because I started to talk about it, and then I got distracted on on some other, some other uh, line item of thought. Line item of thought. I don't know what that means. I do that often, though. I uh, I start talking about something and then I go off on a different path and forgot forget to come back around to where I started. But the Rogers musical was freaking awesome. Of course, we only see one part. We see the one song, part of a song called I Could Do This All Day, which is Captain America's big tagline from the movies. I could do this all day. And uh, it's the it's it's Captain America and then the Avengers and then various other people on stage dancing around and singing this song and it's it's after or during or 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 right after the battle of of new york and from the avengers movie and clint and his three children are out in the audience watching and there's a moment where we see uh like they're they're kind of doing a rundown of the different heroes and when they get to black widow clint of course gets really reflective because uh she was the closest thing he's ever had really to a best friend um he was probably almost as close to her as he was or is with his wife. And she is now, of course, dead. And he's he was there when it happened. He tried, you know, we, we got to remember that in, in Endgame, he tried to sacrifice himself. He didn't want Natasha to die. And they ended up fighting about it, literally, until she ended up sacrificing herself before he could. And uh, he he's got to carry a lot of guilt. And then... With the events that transpired after that, the blip or before that, you know, with the blip and his family going away and him becoming the Ronin and just slaughtering many uh, bad guys 
during those five years. He he doesn't think very highly of himself. This kind of comes into play later in episode three, where Kate is, you know, he he says he's not a role model, and Kate argues with him that he is a role model. He may not want to be, but he's he's put himself out there. He's a role model. But he he's like, you know, I'm a bad guy. I did some bad things and I let my friend die. And uh, you know, that's kind of what what he's thinking about. And you can see it in that first episode. There are a couple of moments like during the during the musical, you can tell that he's feeling very uncomfortable with his fame. Uh, a little girl in the audience uh, a few rows ahead of him turns around in her seat and sees him and smiles at him. And he smiles back. But you can tell he's he he's kind of uncomfortable with it. A guy approaches him in the bathroom. He goes to the bathroom to take a whiz. And somebody has written Thanos was Thanos. I always say his name wrong. Thanos was right. And he kind of shakes his head at that. And then another, a dude comes into the bathroom and takes the uh, the urinal right next to him, which is just one of those things that guys don't do. And I'm sure it's a it's it's got its roots in homophobia. It's a stupid thing, but it's it's like if if you're at a urinal and there are six urinals along the wall, you go into a bathroom, there's a, there's a dude in there at one of the urinals. You don't take the urinal right next to him. You leave at least a urinal space between between the guys. And again, this definitely has its roots in uh, homophobic behavior. Uh, but it's something that I do myself, to be honest with you. But it's the same reason why I wouldn't uh, sit in a, in a chair, if whether it's a man or a woman. If I go into a movie theater, for example, and there's somebody sitting in a chair in a row, and they're the only person in that row sitting in that chair, I'm not going to go sit in the chair right next to them. Man, woman, child, dog, llama, it doesn't matter who is in that chair. I'm not going to take the one right next to them because for for me, it's about personal space to a certain extent. But there is, you know, again, the the whole urinal thing is steeped in homophobic tendencies. But right away, he starts shaking his head because this guy takes the urinal right next to him. And as they're both peeing, the guy just, hey, so uh, <laughs> he doesn't even beat around the bush. So a selfie with you would be great. You know, like it's just expected. This is one of these people that runs into a celebrity in public. And it's just to that person, the celebrity is uh, their personal life, their social circle, their, their whatever, their, their socially comfort, comfortable bubble that's around them doesn't exist. It's they are it's to this guy. Hawkeye is was put on the earth to provide him with a selfie at that moment. And. Of course, Clint says this is this is not an appropriate time to ask something like that. And he finishes up. He goes to the sink. He's washing his hands. And the guy's right there behind him uh, is now an appropriate time. And it's you can just not only is is Clint in a in a situation where uh, this dude's being completely rude. Again, you can kind of see how he's a bit uncomfortable about the whole fame thing. We see it again later in the episode when he's out to dinner with his kids and the waiter comes up. And says that the meal is on the restaurant. And Clint says, no, you you don't have to do that. And the waiter says, yes, we do. You save the city. And again, Clint just does not look comfortable with that. So he's he's kind of at a point in his life where he's coming to grips with being a famous person, being in the public eye, being somebody that is recognized. He mentions in the third episode that his job for years as a member of S.H.I.E.L.D., was not to be recognized, was not to stand out, was to be the ghost. And now because of what happened 
with him helping the Avengers and becoming an Avenger. He is, he's recognizable. Everybody knows him and that he's having a tough time with that. But uh, there's another moment during the the musical uh, for Rogers when as he's as he's watching the the woman who's playing Black Widow and he's feeling very uh, sad about losing her. I think his daughter says something to him, you know, about, uh, you know, it's sad that she's gone or something. And and uh, and she realizes that he doesn't have his hearing aid in. That's when we first learn that he wears a hearing aid. And she goes, you're not even paying attention. And he's, I don't need to pay attention. I was there. And he goes, you know who wasn't there? That guy. And and he points to a dude on stage who is wearing, uh, none of them are really wearing costumes per se. Like the Hulk, for example, is wearing a green hoodie uh, with with his hood up. And, and they're just going for like a, a simple theme-based outfits for these these characters and there's a guy wearing a t-shirt that has the the pim the hank pim you know pim industries symbol on it and clint even says that it's ant-man he's like ant-man was not there so we don't know why he's he's a part of the musical and there's a theory that that was put in there because um in essence clint even though he (laughs) to step you know to break the fourth wall He's upset that Ant-Man is more famous or more well-liked than Hawkeye because Ant-Man has had two movies and Hawkeye has had zero. So that's kind of a little play on that. Uh, And we do see in one of the first two episodes where Kate and uh, I think it's the second episode, Kate and Clint are walking along the sidewalk in New York and this little kid goes, look, mom, a superhero. Can I talk to him? And Clint at first thinks that the kid is talking about him. But the kid runs past him and there's a guy dressed in an Ant-Man outfit and he's running toward that kid. Anyway, let's get into this third episode because I I gave you a little hint at the beginning of this episode that maybe I didn't like the show all that much or maybe I did. Let me tell you, I freaking loved it. I was mildly impressed with the first two episodes. Episode three here just kicked it up another notch. And it's not because of... The whole first half was very action-packed. I mean, first, we we open with a little bit of history on Maya Lopez, who is Echo. She's Echo in the comic books. We we start the episode off, I think it's in 2007. She's a little kid. She's in school. She's, a, she's deaf. We also learn later in this flashback that she has a prosthetic leg. But it's just uh, her in school, and she can't hear, of course, the teacher up front. But she's she's watching everybody and she's watching the teacher and she's trying to um, read the teacher's lips and she's looking at the other students to and what they're doing to to kind of gauge what she's supposed to be doing based on what the teacher is saying that she can't quite understand. And she figures out that they're supposed to be writing in, in this this uh, writing exercise book, like on a certain page. And so she flips to that page and she starts writing And the teacher realizes that Maya is sitting there not paying attention to her. So she comes over to her desk, kind of taps on her book, and she's trying to tell her, you're not paying attention to me. But she notices that Maya has filled out all the words in this writing exercise book, and she's done it correctly. And so the teacher kind of smiles because she realizes Maya is not as helpless as we all assume she is because she's deaf. We then meet Maya's father who is played by, oh, let me find this guy's name because I love this freaking dude. 
Zane McLaren. He, I love this guy. I've been seeing him in a lot of stuff recently. He was in Longmire. He was in uh, Reservation Dogs. He was wonderful in Reservation Dogs. He was in uh, Westworld. Just, I just, I love this actor. I've, I've enjoyed every single thing I've ever seen him in. And uh, it was really nice to see him here because, again, he's just a great actor and I, I love him a lot. But he plays Maya's father. And we learned during this, this uh, flashback that he is a member of the tracksuit mafia. In fact, we learn later in the episode that he was the leader of the tracksuit mafia at that time. And we get a scene during the flashback where she is in, uh, she's taking karate lessons and she's watching the other kids. And this is where we kind of pick up that she is, uh, she has these uh, photographic reflexes where she can watch somebody do something and then she can do it. That's kind of what she was doing in class to figure out what she was supposed to be doing. And now she's in this uh, karate class learning how to uh, be a karate student just by watching the other kids do their thing. And her father comes up to her before her match and he's telling her, you know, remember, it's about speed. It's not about size because she's apparently getting ready to go against uh, a child who is much larger than her. And as he finishes talking to her, Somebody steps into frame and all we see is part of his side and his arm down to his hand. So we see a sleeve and a bit of a jacket and the guy reaches out his hand and kind of gently pinches her cheek and laughs and she smiles up at him. And if that is not the kingpin, I don't know what I'm going to do if it's revealed that it's not because I wrote it down right away. Um, who pinched her cheek at the karate match? Is it the kingpin? Again, he doesn't say anything. We don't see his face, but he laughs. And I swear to God, that laugh sounded like Vincent D'Onofrio. So I think I said last episode, we're not going to see the kingpin in this show, but I feel like now we're going to. That had to have been the kingpin. We get another clue. And again, it may just be the people who, you know, the TV show people, the the writers and whatnot, just poking at us and, and, and taking us on a little you know, little, little trip. God, I can't talk. Why can't I, I know what I want to say. It's just not coming out. It could be the showrunners playing a little trick on us, but during the flashback, we then flash forward to Maya, like maybe within the last year. And she is, uh, coming back to this garage where we're assuming she works, or at least her father works there. And it's called fat man auto repair. I mean, if that's not, uh, 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 kingpin reference i don't know what is and i just i'm gonna be really upset if they're just playing with us here folks i'm gonna be i mean i'll be upset for maybe about a minute because uh i'm sure whatever whatever they will do is gonna be fine with me but i'm just it's got to be the kingpin right and there are other clues there's another clue or two later in the episode but when she comes back when she comes to this auto shop uh she sees through one of the windows that somebody is in there uh killing folk and it's ronin and uh, she she witnesses Ronan killing a couple people through the window. She busts in through the through a side door, sees Ronan in the office as he kills her father, and then he jumps out a window and he gets away. And uh, yeah, her her father dies in her arms. He puts his hand against her face and leaves a bloody handprint on her face, which is apparently a uh, callback to the comics. I didn't read 
the Daredevil run that had Echo in it, but from what I've read since, that's a callback to uh, her. Um, in the comics, apparently, she her father dies. The Kingpin kills her father, but she doesn't know that the Kingpin kills her daughter. And her father, geez, I said daughter. She doesn't know that the Kingpin kills her father. She just knows that he was murdered. And apparently her father, who is called Crazy Horse in the comics, he asks the kingpin to raise her, or, you know, to look after her. And uh, she, at that point, you know, she thinks of the kingpin until she learns the truth. She thinks of the kingpin as her father, and she refers to him as her father in the comics. That's the way I understand it. But um, so now we know why Maya Lopez is so interested in catching Ronan because Ronan killed her father. So when we get back to the present, we 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 have. Um, Clint and Kate uh, duct taped their their hands duct taped to these little kids rides. You know, those little little rides that you'd see outside of a grocery store, like she's sitting on a rocket and he's on a unicorn and you put a little quarter, you put a quarter in it and the thing rocks back and forth. You know, those that's that's what they're they're sitting on. And uh, the tracksuit mafia are just they they've got both of the 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 little machines running. So the both Clint and Kate are just rocking back and forth on, on these little rides and uh, the time ends and the rides stop moving. And right away they're like, Oh, we need more quarters. Go get us some more quarters. And Clint's like, great. <laughs> you know, we're going to keep this going. Well, finally Maya comes down from the office and she starts grilling them. She wants to know uh, how, you know, first of all, why Clint Barton is there. Cause obviously they know he's, he's Hawkeye. And uh, he had, he had told Kate at one point, they get kind of a moment there where Maya turns away and she's she's using sign language. Uh, she's using sign language to talk to her, like number two, a guy named, uh, see, I wrote this down, uh, Kazi. And Clint kind of leans toward Kate because Kate's like, you know, I know you're upset at me, but you have to admit that, that you know, I'm, you know, I did the right thing here. And he says, I was just about to clear you, to remove you, uh, any thought in their minds that you might be Ronan. And then you come crashing in here and you've ruined it. And so Maya starts uh, grilling Kate and she starts choking her. And Clint uses this opportunity to escape. And then there's a big chase throughout this warehouse. It's actually, it looks like the, it's it's like a toy store because there's shelves all over, empty shelves. Uh, There's a couple of toys on them. And I think there's even a, I saw a still where they're standing in front of a sign that might've said KB Toys, which uh, was an old uh, toy store in local shopping malls here in Kansas, but uh, maybe they had full stores in New York back in the day. But Kate manages to escape. There's a there's just this great freaking moment where Clint and Maya start fighting and they end up in the office in this in this store. And the office is up on a second level that overlooks the rest of the store with these big uh, windows. And in the office, Clint finds his bow and his quiver of arrows. So he, he snatches them up. She has... Uh, uh, Kate's bow and arrows also in the office. So she grabs Kate's bow and they start fighting and uh, he, he knocks her down and then he jumps out of the window. And as he's leaping through the air, he fires an arrow that cuts a little groove into Kazi's cheek, who is standing next to um, uh, uh, Kate. But more importantly, the arrow lands right between her hands, which are duct taped together and rips the duct tape and frees her. And so then they escape 
They steal a car outside in the parking lot. She wants to take this really awesome looking 72 Charger, which is straight out of Matt Fraction's run, uh, Matt Fraction and David Aja's run. But Clint doesn't want to take the Charger. He's like, I'm not going to smash up uh, a 72 Charger. And he takes this like old uh, four-door sedan. Now, keep in mind at this time, while he and Maya were fighting, his hearing aid was knocked out of his ear and then she accidentally steps on it. Maya does and smashes it. He's able to grab it on the way out, but he can't really hear anything. And so there's this really awesome car chase through the streets of New York where Clint's driving and Kate is firing various trick arrows at the tracksuit mafia who are in different vehicles, one of which is the 72 Charger. One vehicle is a big moving van. Apparently one of the fronts, the the you know, the legitimate uh, business that the tracksuit mafia uses is a moving company called Trust a Bro, which is just freaking great. Uh, but the chase scene was amazing. A lot of it was was shown from inside the car. There was like a like a rotating camera in the back seat that just kept doing rotating 360, and it was freaking awesome. But they end up on a bridge, and uh, there's one of the trucks is coming at them. It's it's going to run them over, and it's it's over on the other end of the bridge. It's and uh, he tells. Kate, he hands her an arrow. She, she, she had gotten her bow from Maya. He hands her an arrow and he says, fire this at the truck, but above the truck, shoot it in the air. So it comes down on top of the truck. And she's like, this is just a regular arrow. What is this going to do? And of course he doesn't hear her, but she just, she does it anyway. He's like, he's like up in the air, shoot it. And she fires it in the air. And as it gets above the truck, he knocks an arrow and we see on the arrowhead that it says Pim on the arrowhead. So it's like an arrowhead full of pin particles. He fires it, hits her arrow. It makes the air, her arrow turn into a giant freaking arrow, like a freaking telephone pole, which immediately flies, you know, just drops like a stone and goes through the back of this truck. It was just the most wonderful thing I've ever seen. Uh, well, recently anyways, it was, I almost cheered out loud when I saw that it was great. It was a, it was a great idea. I love stuff like that. I love when they can come up with, uh, really clever trick arrows that do fun stuff. And that was, that was great. I did notice because a couple of the arrows she fired, like the first one she fires, she hits the windshield of the, this truck and it, it just, uh, opens up and, a, a, and a, like a goo comes out and just starts expanding. She, she, jokingly refers to it as a play-doh error arrow not error play-doh error uh geez i keep doing it <laughs> play-doh arrow and but it's purple and then another time she shoots an arrow into the charger and uh it's a gas arrow and the charger starts filling with gas and it too is purple which is clint's color so yeah they escape uh there's a moment where uh maya is talking with uh her second in command kazi and Kazi's basically telling her to chill. He's like, you know, we have to, we're supposed to be keeping a low profile. Uh, what would your uncle think about this? And this is where I'm like, who is her uncle? Who is her uncle? Is it the kingpin? Because he says, you know, well, a little later, I think Clint is talking to Kate. He's trying to explain you know, the tracksuit mafia, that this is their organization, and obviously they're they're run by Maya, but there's somebody above Maya, he tells her, someone you don't want to mess with. And so, my gosh, after this episode, if that's not the kingpin, I'm gonna be 
I'm going to be a bit sad for a little bit, but they are, uh, they're discussing kind of what's happened so far. You know, this is, you know, the tracksuit mafia, they're after Ronan for some reason. And she feels that her, uh, her mom's fiance, Jack Duquesne is involved somehow. She feels that Jack killed his uncle Armand who had threatened her mother. And she feels that he, she's trying to, she's trying to explain to Clint why she thinks Jack killed Armand. And she says, because he gave me a caramel or a butterscotch. That's what it was. I think in the last episode, I said a, a caramel, but it was a butterscotch. And that's all she says. That's her only reasoning. It, you know, she doesn't explain, well, the butterscotch uh, said Armand third on it. So obviously he was in the house. And then she says, plus, I tried to stab him in the face to show that he was a liar. And he he parried uh, my strike. And he... <laughs> And Clint's like, you trying to stab him in the face? And this is after they escape, they go to a place, uh, uh, you know, like kind of like a back alley place that uh, fixes his um, hearing aid. And so this is after that. And there's there was one moment, though, in in the in the episode that really kind of sold me on this series. And, you know, like I said, I wasn't that impressed with episodes one and two. Really, I'm really enjoying this third episode, the action sequence, them, the escape, the car chase, the trick arrows, all of that was wonderful. The banter between Clint and Kate is just great, and I'm really getting into it, and I'm loving it. But then there's this small scene. They go back to uh, her aunt's apartment, and he sees that his phone is ringing. He doesn't have his hearing aid yet, and he assumes it's his wife, so he answers uh, because it's from his, he can see that on the phone, it's his wife's cell phone. So he answers and, but he can't hear whoever it is. And so he's like, he's like, Hey hun, uh, I need you to, uh, to text me. Can you text me please? I can't talk on the phone now. Can we do this by text? And Kate walks over and she sees, uh, it must, I, I, well, I don't know. Oh, she can hear, she can hear the person talking. Duh. And so she writes down on this paper. She says, it's a little boy. And he realizes it's, it's his son. So he starts talking to his son and he's like, what's, what's wrong? Why, what is, 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 is mom okay? Is everybody okay? And you can kind of hear his son talking and he's like, everybody's asleep and I'm really bored. And so she's kind of trying to write down what the boy is saying. So Clint can, can talk to the kid. And at one point the kid is like, uh, are you going to be home tonight? Tonight's supposed to be the, the, the movie, the Christmas movie marathon. And he, he, he tells him, no, I'm not going to make it tonight. And he goes, but I should be home tomorrow night for the ugly Christmas sweater, uh, party. And the kid says, if you can't make it home by Christmas, that's okay. I understand. And it's just this moment where, cause he doesn't hear him. Clint doesn't hear his son say it, but Kate writes it down on the paper. And as soon as he reads it, his eyes get all watery. And then my eyes get all watery and her eyes get watery. And it was just such a great scene. And I think it helped form a bond between Kate and, and and Clint, I think uh, I don't know. I I think it helped bring them together just a little bit more, and and uh, it was just a great scene. And the the inclusion of that scene in this episode is what ended up taking this le- this episode to that whole new level. I was talking about at the beginning, but the, so then Kate convinces him. It's like okay, with all the all this that's going on, we need to try to find out more. So if we can go break into my mother's penthouse. I can use her uh, laptop to log into uh, her security firm, Bishop Security, and get information about the tracksuit mafia, about Jack, and you know whatever we can find. 
And so they they break into the apartment. This is after they have the big conversation where he says, you know, I'm not a I'm not a role model. And she tells him, yes, you are. I mean, look at you. You 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 sent your your kids home. You may not be home for Christmas so you can help a complete stranger. And she at one point draws out. She goes, she goes, the problem with your branding is, is that your costume isn't recognizable. Here's what you should wear. And she draws a costume that looks very much like his his comic book costume with the mask, with the little wings over the eyes and the, the H on his head. And he's like, no, there's no way I'm wearing that. He's like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't wear the flashy costumes. I'm supposed to be a ghost. He says, my, my wife would divorce me if I wore a costume like that. So anyway, they, they get into, uh, Eleanor, uh, her apartment. They get into Eleanor's apartment. Kate's mom, Kate gets on the, on the laptop. She finds out that Kazi works for a place called Sloan Limited, uh, which Clint says he recognizes, but he can't quite place. There's also a moment I wrote this down. I don't I don't know if it means anything, but when they get into the apartment, the penthouse, Clint is just amazed about how big it is and 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 you know how obviously their family is rich. And Kate says that her great 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 grandfather built the building. So the bishops go back a long ways and they've had money for a long time. And for me, it's almost a, is it, you know, I'm starting to sit here and wonder, is it really the kingpin that is Maya's boss? Could it be Kate's mom? Could it be Kate's dad? Did he not die? Maybe he didn't die back then. Maybe he's still alive. Maybe he's running some things. She talks about how her dad was fearless and and an adventurer and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm pinning all my hopes on the fact that it's the kingpin. But anyway, Kate ends up being locked out of the database because uh, she's, I guess, trying to look up stuff she's not supposed to. Clint kind of hears something off into another room. He goes to investigate. And the episode ends as Jack, uh, Clint is walking into a room. Jack is hiding next to the doorway. And he holds the Ronin sword out to uh, Clint's throat. And he wants to know what he's doing there. And of course, you're you're ending the episode the way it ends. It's like, oh man, Jack's a bad guy, and they're gonna fight. But I I feel like it's more like Jack lives there now. I mean, that's why there's all these swords all over the place, all these decorative swords all over, and and he is investigating what appears to be somebody breaking into the apartment. And so of course he's gonna he's gonna confront them like that. But we'll see. We'll see how you know they'll probably fight for a moment when the when episode four begins and then, and then they won't fight. Who knows? We'll see. But yeah, this episode was amazing. Uh, it was, uh, it's got me just hoping beyond hope that we see Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin, uh, that he will be the kingpin in the MCU. And, uh, I'm just going to cross my fingers. I'm just going to hope. And I'll be really sad if it's not. What did you guys think of the episode? What do you think of Hawkeye so far? You can send me an email at the streaming fool at gmail.com and just let me know what you think. You can you can uh, leave comments over on Twitter. I post about these episodes on Twitter and on Instagram uh, at Stephen or else. And uh, or you can just go to the website, the streaming fool.com and leave a message, leave a uh, comment on the episode post. Uh, that's about it, folks. That's the episode. I loved it. I'm looking forward to episode freaking geez. This was episode four. We've only got two left. Good Lord, because there's only six episodes in this flipping season. That's just not enough. But I'll, I'll, I'll manage to I'll manage to to hang with it. Yeah, just two more freaking episodes. I can't believe that. Anyway, we'll get another episode of The Wheel of Time on Friday. 
which uh, hopefully I'll record an episode and get that out to you on Tuesday next week. And then episode five of Hawkeye on Wednesday next week. And then you should get that episode on Thursday. All right. Until then, folks, I'm Steven and I'm the streaming fool, or at least I will be as long as my stomach cooperates with me. You just never know with this stomach. You just never know. You just never know. (laughs) That was dumb.